Hey everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valuri and this is going to be episode 40 with anime historian and curator Stefan Brickelis. Ever since I came across his book Anime Architecture, I knew I had to talk to him to get a glimpse into the process of such a massive undertaking. Stefan shared his experiences while putting together this exhibition and the book for Anime Architecture. as well as the various hurdles he encountered along the way he also shared a lot of lessons and stories that he learned from the artists who made these masterpieces of anime this conversation is a great primer for those who do not own the book yet and would like to purchase it eventually and also gives a really deep insight into the mind of the author for those who have already gone through the book with that said i hope you all get a lot of value from this conversation so let's go Like I was just telling you, I mean one of the main reasons to talk to you was because looking at how Ash had a variety of guests in his podcast giving us a pretty diverse outlook on the industry and that's something that I'm trying to get into my podcast as well, you know, get artists and musicians, architects and now you as a author and curator of anime. Essentially, I think I thought it would be a good discussion to have and I think not everyone has access to your book right now because it was a limited run. originally and now i think it's become open for people to purchase as well so i thought it would be good to have these discussions so that people who don't have access to your book can at least still learn from your perspective and your experiences i think the book is available now widely again because the this a second print run of the trade edition the collector's edition is gone there were only 1000 copies but mm-hmm. the trade edition is available and yeah but still uh, in more remote places of the world it's not easy to access so mm-hmm. i'm happy to give a overview or talk about it and thanks a lot for inviting me to your podcasts it's my great pleasure. to be here my pleasure and i have to say i mean i've been really excited for this conversation in particular because i mean you're documenting a certain part of the industry that is not that well known because obviously of the because of the language gap some people may not be able to even understand the documentation and because you've allowed it to be accessible at a much wider level i think people can really learn from the masters of the japanese industry yeah that's our mission <laughs> to make these things accessible to a wider audience mm-hmm. because i know there is huge interest and um yeah also set people more directly in touch with the artists i mean not directly but through just one step like this book mm-hmm. um appreciating really the art because you have a lot of books that are called like the art of such and such movie but what you find there often are not the artworks you find clipped or cropped images of things that have been produced mm-hmm. and for me it was important to stay really as close as possible to the original works that have been created also that's why i put sizes of the images and you know some techniques into the captions because i think it's important for artists or other creators to understand oh what's the size of this you know how many details do they put in to such and such amount of space 
So yeah, that's that's the main goal of this publication. I think the that very fact of you know writing the dimensions of each cut and the sizes of these drawings, it almost makes the whole book feel more like a exhibition documentation rather than just an art book essentially because you can really feel the tangibility of those drawings like you mentioned just now yeah that's a great observation <laughs> i'm really grateful for that comment because actually that's how it came about ah, we okay. started making exhibitions that's my background mm -hmm. and then we published the books because what i first did i when i started this project through some coincidences i was able to have a look into the studios of the artists mm -hmm. that was my first encounter with this whole world even in some cases before i saw the final movies which were old at that point already i saw the artwork okay and uh this is due to the fact that i i'm an exhibition curator so i'm usually interested like start working with the artists as soon as possible in the process to understand what they are after what's their motivation to work and so i had these artworks in front of me and then i thought oh these are really interesting inspiring pieces even for me as i didn't know much about animation at that point mm -hmm. i thought oh these are outstanding artworks and there will be more people like me who might appreciate this on the wall so actually it all started with the idea of i want to i wanted to collect artworks that are able or that i can hang on a museum wall or gallery wall hmm. so that's why the scope of the book you know like hand-drawn or paper-based art and that's also why the dimensions and the technique is so important to me i think this might be a good time to maybe dive a bit deeper into your background itself and how exactly you came to be a curator uh, exhibition organizer and things on those lines yeah the starting point for me was a was an, a media art festival in berlin called transmediale this is a an event that an annual event it's running for a long time over more than 20 or maybe 30 years now mm -hmm. um, and it's a place gathering area for people who are interested in artists who are interested in doing art with the means of digital technologies when that whole thing started digital technology was new so they called it new media art festival okay. today that doesn't really make sense because all the technologies are there and there's not so much new about it anymore but it's a place where we when i started working there in the early 2000s um highlighted art that was produced by the means of digital technology which was at that point not so new anymore but it was still a bit exotic mm -hmm. today it's not it has lost all the exoticism and it's a mainstream practice but at that point that was still a bit edgy and 
yeah, there I learned how to make exhibitions. What do you need? How do you work with artists? How do you try to understand what they are wanting to express in their artworks? And with this job, uh, it gave me the opportunity to travel to Japan in 2005 for the first time. And I was hooked on Japan, basically. So when I came back to Berlin, I sought for an opportunity to go back to Japan for a bit longer. Mm -hmm. And it happened that a colleague of mine had, an, had a project to curate an exhibition about anime, and he could hire me as a research assistant. David Dehili is his name, and he's working in Tokyo as a cultural producer. And so we had access to all the studios. Then his project in the end got canceled because of the director of the museum changed and so and so. But I still had done all the research and I decided to use that and to develop my own project mm -hmm. out of it. And that's how this all came about. Now saying this short, to make it short, I have a very strong background in digital art. Okay. Then I saw these drawings on paper of a digital future you know the, the the future of the in the book it's a digital future but it's painted on paper and i thought this is a really you know this gap there is a there's a rupture between the technology that is depicted in the image and the way the image is produced and that was really inspiring to me and i started diving deeper into this area. And the fascinating thing is that the films that you've documented in the second book, Anime Architecture, span such a long period of time that the techniques themselves evolved and changed across all those films that you've documented. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, or we tried to publish this or to highlight this involvement of the technology but actually i have to say and admit that i don't really understand the real details of this transformation because i'm not an artist mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm 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 trying to interview the people working in the industry and try to understand it as much as possible but it's a very um hybrid process it doesn't it there's two steps forward and one step back two steps forward one step back the some artists you try to work digitally as soon as possible others maintain their style of work till today and they don't touch the tablet mm -hmm. so it's a very hybrid area heterogeneous field and it's really down to each artist's individual choices in the end how they adapt to the technological change and use it for their means. And I, yeah, so in the book, I cannot really, I mean, we have a, like a, a line of progress somehow, but then again, it's really each artist's profile. And I, that's also why I put the names on each plate, you know, who draw, who drew it because um, I think we can only understand this in the individual biographies of an artist, how this change develops over time. And that's actually something that I really um, appreciate you doing because in today's production releases, there are so many times artists don't get credited on the, on the contribution. So 
just the fact that you can see the person who has drawn that particular frame there's something really good about that you know that they've been recognized for their work and that's required yeah that's um i think also like like you say that's really important then on the other hand it's also an area where you have as a publisher or author you have to be really cautious because none of these artists i'm portraying in the book would claim that these images are theirs they have executed a certain step in the production process and i put their names for this step but each image of course as many of our listeners and you know is based on another image that was created before that one so it's not it's really not the author of the painting like in the original sense it's more this step was executed by this and this guy so that's uh from the art perspective like fine art perspective that's a totally different understanding of the process which makes it sometimes difficult to translate these things into each other you know the, because then people might think oh ogura hiromasa he did this background but then if you talk to him he says well i didn't really do much you know there was the line line drawing was there so i just put the color on it so <laughs> yeah that's a it's very interesting to negotiate these these things yeah that's a good point like where exactly your contribution starts and ends that's a sometimes it can get intangible and especially i mean yeah when you go higher up the food chain let's say the art director or the director they may not be personally drawing every frame but then their influence obviously runs throughout the entire film so it's interesting to see that dynamic yeah there. exactly so that's one of the reasons why i i work with the art directors and also try to visit their studios because in their studio they might only have the material they actually drew everything else is stored some some place else so if i could can get access to their archive i'm quite sure that it's correct to put their name on these plates then they would say oh well this one was drawn by my assistant here and there and then we will reflect this if they still know it you know because the material is quite old but yeah that's why also the selection in the book is really um we we focused on a few artists there was much more material we could publish to each movie but then i wouldn't know who drew it and there would be too much confusion with the with this labeling and in some cases i had to use these images because they were just too beautiful to <laughs> abandon and then i couldn't put a name and it says unknown but I it's see. really just a few yeah so prior to your um association with your friend who introduced you to the project that he was working on did you already have an interest in anime as an art form uh not really no that was really the start for me i i watched anime and i I knew a bit about it but I didn't really I was not a big fan that grew over time the more I got into it and researched the fields 
the more obviously it was interesting for me. You know, that's always the case. If you start with something, then you might not really. There's something interesting or inspiring that draws you into it, but just over time you will develop a passion for it. So, yeah, I was really coming from the outside to this, not as a fan. And I think actually looking back now, that opened the doors to me because people understood when I talked to them, especially the artists, they immediately knew or felt from my stupid questions or strange questions that this guy, he's not here to stalk us. No? <laughs> he's not here because he's a big fan of Akira or Ghost Michelle. Maybe he doesn't even know <laughs> these things. He's here because uh, he wants to understand what I'm doing. And for an artist that's, especially working in the industry, that's much more uh, pro, like, there is more exchange, there's more dialogue if you're not focused too much on the final product, but really on the process of establishing the creative path that leads eventually to a movie title. And so my ignorance to the field, I think, in just saying in retrospect, no, but I, it helped me in the beginning because it made my research a bit more um credible just in the sense he's really researching he's not he doesn't even know what he's looking after he's just starting to dig no that's um i think that was good and so before this project anime architecture we did another one that called photo anime cut and in this first publication i actually i i didn't structure it according to movie titles i structured this one according to artists so that was really a catalog of artists work and that was a very different approach now now this new book anime architecture is structured according to movie titles because of chronological reasons and it's just too much material to organize in another way but actually i would much prefer publications dedicated to individual artists that would be more in the line of my research do you think the average let's say reader of the book would be able to perceive and understand the book if it's structured in an artist manner versus structured through film wise or chronological order yeah i think in the first one photo anime cut that works because we have only very few film titles and people understand you know there is um takashi watabe he is a concept artist and layout designer and he has a chapter where he worked on ghost in the shell and then there is in the a few pages later there is hiromasa ogua who painted the layout designs in into the final production backgrounds he has his chapter and we also left out the still images of the movie. So people, to really understand, you need an, a bit of an effort. You need to make an effort and, and check, oh, okay, this line drawing corresponds to this production background. But once people do this, then this book is very interesting because you have the line of work of one artist and you can understand his or her style. Yeah, like Hideaki Anno, he 
he does the layout for Evangelion, but then Watabe, he designs the angels and it all comes together in the final product. But mm -hmm. if you organize it by individual artists, you can understand each person's influence on the final production. I guess that also gives the opportunity to go back and rewatch these films after having done the research through the book and understand the film yeah. at a deeper technical level. Yeah, technically you will understand much more after afterwards. And also people now actually wrote to me that like you know, insiders, I people I con consider insiders, that, that for example, take on Kingcrete, which we have in the new book, many people didn't know of this mm. although it's like in the anime world it's a famous title but if you're not really in the anime world but just in a general film environment then you might have missed it because it not, didn't get the exposure like Akira or Ghost in the Shell mm -hmm. and so yeah it helps actually um, I say educating in the fields a bit that's true in <laughs> yeah. fact I yeah. came across Tikon Concrete because Michael Arias was on Ashthorpe's podcast and that's how I was mm. introduced to that film and his body of work. So it's, yeah. it's interesting, like all yeah. these information modules come from different sources and yeah, do, of course. And then after work. all, in, in, in this area, the world is very small. No? I start realizing mm. it's a very uh, specialized niche and friendly field where people really collaborate and that's that's really good to see yeah what made you feel like this is something that you really wanted to document because after your friend's exhibition project was cancelled you could have easily said okay fine i've learned whatever i've learned but let's move on but you chose to continue sticking with it and develop your own projects through that <laughs> well uh Honestly, I think it was the outlook that this is a, something quite impossible to do. Mm -hmm. It uh, because a, until that point, like in the first exhibition, two thousand ten, we showed the original drawings of Ghost in the Shell oh, and wow. the layouts of Hideaki Anno, original pieces, in a not so well known museum in Berlin. So. Um, to get these things out of Japan onto a German museum wall at the first view, this seems something quite challenging to do. And it had not been done before. Mm. The like, you know, when we talked to Kara at that point, then we said, but there had been exhibitions of Evangelion before, and they said, yes, there had been, but the boxes never returned. So we don't have any material to give to you. And then it took me two years to, you know, prove with insurances and transportation companies and, you know, give them the idea that this is a very serious project and that it will be protected and it, the works will return. Mm -hmm. And then we could uh, borrow these drawings, but that was a very, very long and like intense process to get these things out of Japan. And that was, you know, these long endurance races. These are really motivating me mm -hmm. because I saw that 
as you say, usually people at that point would just drop the project because it's, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't pay your rent. It's just too expensive. So you, you need to, you need to be able to afford it and you need a position where you don't have to defend it to your boss or you need a really generous boss. Mm -hmm. So I was my own boss and I had another job on the side. I okay. could afford it. And so I just continued and I tried to do it. And then, yeah, in the end, we, we could really do it. And then the first publication, I don't know, not, not many people have it because we only printed a few thousand and now these are gone. I, I, I have a very, very, very limited stock still, but this is really just for collecting purposes. Mm -hmm. And But I made this publication at a very high quality. It was very expensive to print this book. No publisher would ever do this. Um, I, I just do it, did it myself. Because I knew, or I was hoping, that this is uh, something, you know, it didn't happen before. So we need a document for this, and it will generate more things in the future. That was my hope. So I printed it as a present, basically, to give to people and say, look, this is what can be done if you just put some more money into it. <laughs> and uh, take a risk we could do something great yeah. and then it took it took like 10 years and then james and hudson came and they they understood the message wow that that is amazing i really commend your patience and tenacity to go through that especially when you don't have any other financier backing that project early on it of course yeah was, that was i mean investment from your end to actually be able to do that yeah, that requires a lot of investment from mine, but also the trust and the like patience from all my partners. No, it's not possible to do something like this if you are under the pressure of strict deadlines or something, because it takes always it takes a year longer than you think. That's true. So yeah, I'm really grateful for all the supporters and partners over time who believed in this undertaking you know uh, um, it's not a one-man show no it's like many people involved at a communication level like are you free like very fluent in japanese at this point to be able to you know really communicate with the artists there how was that like no i'm i can speak japanese on a small talk level i would say mm -hmm. but like negotiations about rights and things i have partners in japan who do this with me and also for the last two years i could not visit there because of the COVID things so at the moment all communication is by mail and yeah we are now establishing a gallery outlet for the for some drawings like mm -hmm. reproducing high quality prints and for this everything is with my colleague in in japan and then we exchange emails sometimes directly with the artists and these are machine translated or i can look at them for a long time and understand what they say I see. but my japanese is not not good enough to to really go into details yeah but it's 
good enough to be there and give them an idea that I'm trying to do the best I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that I guess makes your job of earning their trust that much harder because you can't immediately convince them that I am somebody who's seriously trying to protect the work and showcase the work in a good way. Yeah, well, but actually that's really a result of the, of the process, no, that they, they see now, they see the new book and um, also it's, the book is now translated into Japanese. There is a Japanese edition. And so finally they can also read what I'm writing and tell me what's wrong and what's right. That makes things much better. And yeah, so we are coming closer and closer. And also in the next years, there will be opportunities to invite people over to Europe Mm -hmm. for exhibitions and things. So, yeah, we are growing together a bit more. Um, So as you documented the second book specifically, where you went through this entire journey of two decades worth of film, what did you learn about the production pipeline that maybe you didn't know earlier or things that people may not have been aware of? Like these are the real true behind the scenes of these films. Hmm. over time well the the one like group of artists that is very prominent throughout all these productions is Ogura Hiromasa I already mentioned and Kusamori Shuichi they are both art directors and Watabe Takashi the layout designer and concept guy Mm -hmm. they work together on a lot of the productions in this book in different constellations like the Ogura-san is the senpai he's the oldest person in this three among these three and he took care of pet labor and pet labor two and goes in the shell as an art director mm-hmm. but for example in the production like when pet labor one was in production at this at the same time also Akira was in production and so the way the studios work with each other is that like surprisingly I found a piece by Ogura in the artworks among the artworks of Akira because Mizutani the art director of Akira just had no time anymore to com- accomplish the whole thing and he just called Ogura and said well I know you're busy but we really need this one piece now can you just come and do this and so I think the most um yeah uh or, or just to finish that like later on in Innocence Kusamori became the art director and Ogura worked under his direction. So they changed or switched positions mm-hmm. for this one project. And it's really interesting for me to see that this is like all these guys are working on a very high level, but they are still, you know, moving positions and helping each other out when there is a need. 
and it's all like the evolution is a process we they do together like each one has his style mm -hmm. but then when there is uh pressure time pressure they start developing or go or uh, like how you say they lean on each other closely and try to imitate each other's style so that it gets a coherent look and you know they, they are very flexible and it's a it's a real community over all these years that was the most um interesting thing for me to see or like it's a it's a beautiful thing to see you know that that it's not really there's not competition is not really their goal yeah they are working on this thing together and yeah that's a very benevolent environment in a way that's that's really great hmm. and then technologically wise as i already said that's really down to each artist's individual practice like ogura he's still painting by hand on paper like ono also the art director he later worked more with ghibli but these guys are with they they will not change to a digital workflow mm -hmm. whereas kusamori he's a total hybrid artist he likes to draw with fine liner or pencil on paper and then he will develop his production backgrounds in the digital environment kimura for example the guy who did art direction for take on concrete he always paints on paper but he knows that or all his paintings are used as a texture mapping element for a 3d environment so his painting process is very different he doesn't need to draw or paint uh, complicated perspectives or you know like deformations of the camera lens mm -hmm. because that will be done later on so yeah they all have a very individual way to deal with the environments that they are presented to well wow, this is like a very interesting insight into that entire world because until now at least for me personally, I've only just seen some of the films, but you don't really know much of the people behind that. You just know the name of the director and the char lead character designer, for instance. But beyond that, you don't know the hundreds of people involved in that entire process. Yeah, that's also, I think, for the, for the art uh, direction and the art department, the huge um, advantage to research this is that it's much smaller mm -hmm. like for the animation departments are very big there are many 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 people and to trace the workflow is much more difficult than in the art department because in the art department usually you have two steps no you or two steps in the hierarchy you have the art director and his staff mm -hmm. and the art director does a lot by himself but then there are like i don't know in the big production there are maybe 10 more assistants basically and but the art director works with each one directly there is nobody usually there's nobody in between so 
that's why he or she art director has the total control of the look mm -hmm. and also knows okay this was drawn by this guy and this and this, and this. in a, in the animation department the hierarchies are a bit um more steep because you have just too many people and also a lot of work is outsourced and then you need a totally different workflow mm -hmm. so in my field it's a bit more um easy to get the overview and know what's actually going on still sometimes i don't understand how they do it <laughs> that's fascinating in the introduction passage of the book you had mentioned that there was a certain reason why miyazaki's films makoto shinkai's films and satoshi kon's films were not included in this particular collection maybe you could elaborate a bit more on that so that people who haven't had a chance to read the book can understand that as well Mm, yeah, well, these three directors, they, they are directors first, and they all have a very prolific career or had, like Kwon passed away a while ago, um, and a very uh, distinct style that just, it needs, uh, it needs a much thicker book to include these things uh, that was not possible at this at that point and because that was was not possible i decided to refocus the whole theme and really go for science fiction anime urban landscapes between the late 80s and the early 2000s and mm -hmm. um, like strictly consider this theme and then if you do this then you can drop these three because Con's work is outstanding in the way he's using the the background design or art artwork but science fiction wise it doesn't belong to this group mm -hmm. makoto shinkai science fiction wise belongs totally to this group but all the artwork is or mostly is uh, drawn digitally, I wanted to focus more on the paper. And Miyazaki Hayao, all the artwork is drawn on paper. Science fiction-wise, you could somehow maybe include it, but then all the art directors and the artwork that is created in his surrounding is such a coherent work it needs an extra book. I'm, it doesn't really make sense to have uh, Mononoke and Akira in one book. Mm. Although the art directors are sometimes the same, uh, it doesn't, you know, thematically, there is no, doesn't make sense. So, yeah. So we have anime architecture book now, and then obviously we need three more to cover the others. Absolutely. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, specifically to I think Makoto Shinkai, because he is much more contemporary compared to these other directors and the other the previous films. Sometimes his name I feel may not get mentioned as often as some of these other masters from the past. So definitely deserves mm -hmm. that kind of recognition purely because of the yeah. work they've done. Yeah, and <clears throat> yeah, we will extend the scope of our whole 
undertaking into this direction, definitely, because I really want to move into the digital realm and see and understand how we can publish these works mm -hmm. and exhibit them also. For me, the exhibition comes actually first. And that's a major task because how do you exhibit this now? It's like you can print it or you can show it on a screen. It, it's all, it all doesn't feel right. Um, so we need probably different angles in an exhibition to, to work with this. And then second, how do you publish it? I mean, Makoto Shinkai's work is published in his own publications. Like with each film, there is an, an art of book. Mm, and it's quite, they are really good books. I think that you have, you can learn a lot about the process and the background, but it's all in Japanese. Mm. So yeah, there is something to do there. I see. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely so much more that you can go in deep in depth for these films, because I have a book, which is the art of Satoshi Kon, where there is some documentation of his entire filmography but it doesn't go as depth as in depth as you have done where you know who is the person who specifically drew that cut or what are the dimensions of the drawing and things along those lines yeah satoshi kon would be really a book about storyboarding mm -hmm. because everything he does is already in the storyboard his storyboards are are amazing i only for this purpose i bought all the collector's editions of his movies like japanese collector's editions because these are the only publications you can get to see his storyboards wow. and these are really amazing and yeah there's a researcher in japan hikawasan he did a lot of work about con already and yeah we are in the process, I would say, of somehow uh, lifting the wheel on this treasure. That's you know? amazing. Were there any, let's say, legal hurdles that you had to go through to secure permissions to share some of these internal drawings publicly and things along those lines? Uh, like sharing the internal drawings or the making like process drawings that was not an obstacle the the, the main obstacle what was to get the rights in the first hand to publish these things together in one book yeah i mean the you say hurdles well yeah <laughs> it's just it took a very very long time and a lot of money mm. to to license these images because uh, although these are not final like merchandise products they are still under a very strict regime of copyrights and licensing mm -hmm. and you need to first figure out who owns what and then you have to pay them and that takes a long long time so i think writing the book and getting the material and you know scanning the artwork was really just half of the work i would say I the other half for me was clearing the rights and then the whole production of the book was in the hands of the publisher yeah that's 
that's the main obstacle, the rights. No? Otherwise, these books would be a really a pleasure and very easy to make. But I think because of this, we only have this one, only this one publication at the moment, because it's, it's just, you know, if I started now, I wouldn't know who to ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it took me 10 years to figure out the telephone number of the right person. So that's, and then this person only speaks Japanese and yeah, it's not so easy, wow. but over time, you know. Um, now that you've, you know, published the second book as well, and then the earlier book, Proto-Anime Cut, um, has it become easier for you to approach these studios and these art directors because they may have also seen the books in publication and they know that you're somebody who can be trusted with presenting all this documentation well? Yes, sure. That's a big difference, makes a big difference. And also the publication of the Japanese edition now mm -hmm. makes things easier. Although the Japanese publisher decided to produce a like, soft cover Tankobon okay. book, uh, which is not such a you know high standard as this beautiful Thames and Hudson edition, but then in Japan that's very standard. You rarely find hardcover books, so I don't complain. Uh, it's really great to have all this material and to just approach new people also mm -hmm. that we didn't work so far and tell them, look, that's what we want to do of course it helps like you know it's like an artist portfolio you need to show what you have done before you can get a new commission yeah it definitely helps a lot and also the exhibitions that we are doing like these are the, the way we exhibit the work in europe or in the us mm -hmm. is very different from the handling they they do with these things in in japan because we frame the pieces and you know it looks like a proper art exhibition you rarely find this in japan ghibli does it the same way mm -hmm. but the other studios or artwork is rarely displayed in such a i would say fine art perspective yeah that's something that i really appreciate about this entire process because Oftentimes, this, the production drawings are just a part of the process and then they get forgotten. But giving it that respect really elevates the craft so much more. And you understand how much work actually went into doing these films. Yeah, yeah, that's like a lot of the work that would be interesting was just dumped into the trash no? because it's too much. Every frame of the movie demands so many drawings that you cannot keep all of them finally you no know, in the analog age paper-based age they they filled boxes of with drawings and they just dumped them and uh, it wasn't it's always considered just a byproduct and that's correct no it's a byproduct of the final product which is the movie <clears throat> but yeah i don't know exactly the like social and artistic reasons or developments over time but i have the impression that more and more people are interested in exactly these 
byproducts mm. and not like of course the first product the, the movie gets most of the attention <clears throat> but any even like you know blockbuster production hollywood blockbuster production they cannot afford anymore to not produce an art of book and i'm not always confident with the quality of these art of books but the fact that they are there shows that there is a like a growing interest into this direction and also this means that concept artists and people working on this side of the industry uh, get more and more attention and also exposure to the public which is very good i think yeah. i mean for me that's <laughs> that's obviously very good and also for the artists and so there is a, a, there's a new field growing there i think yeah that's that's true i think um due to the availability of social media i think people are realizing that the more they understand about the film they can get multiple experiences of the same film like through the lens of the artist through the lens of the director and of course like there are so many panel discussions with the actors involved so there are like multiple perspectives on the same film i mean especially on yeah. the new film dune that's coming out there have been so many hmm. different interviews with the uh, with the actors and the director so you can really understand from each person's perspective what they thought about while doing this yeah and also <clears throat> i mean for us that seems to be trivial but really people who are so far just exposed to final movies they don't even think that it was made you know the the illusion of realism and the final production can give you makes you totally forget that this was made somehow i mean that's the goal of each filmmaker no if you sit in the cinema and you watch the movie and you think oh that was made brilliantly then the movie somehow lost because you were not captured enough by the action and it was not giving you enough illusion that you are actually in this world True. but for many people that's still the normal viewing experience but the more and more social media are transporting this aspect of that they are actually enjoying a product and not another world mm -hmm. this changes i think that's that's what you said no that with the with the proliferance of social media more and more people get to see and know the behind the scenes aspects and that somehow also changes the way we look in a more general perspective mm. on movies i think mm? um did you get a chance to talk to the directors themselves of these um, films that you documented yes i talked to all the directors except ano he's a he's an enigma i mean very few people can talk to him but yeah we are still trying um but yeah with the others i talked and um but in a very early stage of the project so there will be more talks now that we have published this book and then we can discuss future projects and also go deeper into their role but so far the main 
conversations I had only with the art department. I see. Directors had been more on the side from my perspective at the moment. Yeah. Except, you know, in the in the case like con, I mean that's not possible anymore, but and when I started with this project, he was still alive and he was very, very deep, deeply connected with the art department. So that would have been an interesting conversation, which sadly never happened. Yeah. But like Oshi or, yeah, these, he, he's, uh, he's drawing very simple things and then he's talking to his art de department. So um, there is, for the for the focus I had at the moment, there's not so much to get there. I see. It'll be really interesting to see or hear their retrospective outlook on these films, you know, many decades later, what they felt about yeah. being in that pipeline at that time and now looking back on those films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But actually, yeah, I think these things are published in Japanese mm. often, uh, like, like Otomo, he's talking about Akira a lot. Also, Oshi, he's talking about Ghost in the Shell. So you have these comments, they are just inaccessible for most people. But yeah, it's true, it would be interesting to have sections of the directors looking back, mm, maybe in the next book. No. So I don't... <laughs> personal level like what have you really taken away from this entire process of a decade long of exploration personally um well personally the most challenging thing for me was to uh to look at myself as somebody from the outside of this world mm -hmm. And why should I be the person to publish this book? I see. Oh, because I, as I said, I'm not fluent in Japanese. I'm not really an insider of the industry. I'm not a, the biggest fan of anime. So there are many reasons why other people should be in a better position to do this work. Mm -hmm. I can tell myself. No? So, <laughs> so personally, if you ask me really on a personal level, I came to accept that this is just my job. That there is actually at, at the moment, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And for some reasons, I landed on this position. So I do it the best way I can. And I'm happy to hear other opinions and say and hear, well, but that's wrong. What you're saying is wrong. No, I'm waiting for this moment. Oh, but what you're, what you're saying doesn't make sense. And then I, you know, but because somebody else knows better, that didn't really happen so far. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that there are many things which can be improved. And, you know, it's not the last, I don't want to have the last words, but really to personally to accept that this is what can be done at the moment and I'm doing it. That's, yeah, over the years, I came to understand, you know, this, it's a fragile network and I'm just, I'm the author of this book, but really it's, there's so many people involved, like in the movie production, that I'm just for some reasons happened to end up 
in this position and then to serve this whole machine the best way I can. That's yeah, what I'm I'm still learning this, no? I think no. that that's in fact I think might be the reason for the success of this book and the entire endeavor because you don't go into any preconceived notions of what you know about the industry or the process of making these films and you're really curious from a very very almost naive and innocent point of view where you really don't know anything and that's how the average viewer would be where they don't know how these films are made or they don't know who these people are so that's a good thing i think yeah yeah i was yeah that like what you describe, I I agree. That's a good point from from my perspective. That feels just like you know, be passionate mm. to to admire this work. That's the main. That's the main motivation for me to do all this is just to come, always come back to this point where I look at it and see, oh, wow, how could this be done? No, how, this is really a beautiful piece. And then the whole thing starts from there. Because, of course, you can talk a lot about anime and how and blah, 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 blah. But if you forget that it's just about, in the, at the center of it is this fascination by a beautiful work of art. So everything comes from this point. And I think that's true for, for an author or an artist or a publisher. And as long as you can connect to this source of energy mm -hmm. this beauty i think it all works mm. that's amazing um from a exhibition standpoint were you getting funded by let's say some curators or exhibition houses to actually take care of the shipping and insurances or was all that also funded by yourself for the first exhibition photo anime cut um I was in the lucky situation that in Berlin, we have a public funding program where individual curators like me can apply to and get funded. Wow, so okay. for this first exhibition, it's a public program, so I'm not telling any secrets, but I we received 120,000 euros funding to produce the whole thing. Like uh, this also included renting the space and the guards and shipping the artwork and paying for press and publishing the book and all these things. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a lot of money may for some maybe, but it really in the end, it's not so much, but still we could do it mm -hmm. on a professional level. And that started the whole thing no? without this, uh, we couldn't start and no museum would ever give you this budget like on a blue or like a wild card and say well yeah try to get these things out of japan and <laughs> if you can we are happy that's <laughs> that's too much to ask for any institution mm -hmm. and so now nowadays we have have we have this experience and we know the costs that a new exhibition will uh in cure and then we can ask for specific funding of parts and also i can ask the museum for a fee for my work because i know how long it takes and so so now we're in a much better uh administrative position to actually make this work 
Yeah, and now the next galleries and museums, they have a certain budget, which is much, much less than what I just said, but still it enables us to maintain this series of exhibitions. I see. Has like the COVID travel restrictions in any way affected these exhibitions and how long they can be open for or which city they can be a part of? Yeah, the, the last exhibition we had was uh, in Florida, in the Morikami Museum. Mm -hmm. And that was closed uh, due to the COVID restrictions. But it all, it just one week before it would close it anyway. And then since then, nothing happened because the, the museums, they have long waiting lists of shows that they had to cancel and put on now. So only now, we are restarting with this process and there will be uh, quite a sensational exhibition coming up next year in Berlin. Wow. I think today I'm not yet in the position to announce it, but it will be something people are waiting for. And uh, then in the year after we will travel to Zurich probably and from there, first we take Berlin and then we take Manhattan. That's awesome. <laughs> you sound, you sound like a military commander. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's moving on now. Mm -hmm. um, is there any particular film that you've really, really connected with over the process of documenting? Something that beyond other films you feel like really was the pinnacle? Yeah, well, for, for my work with this whole thing, I think the, the, I understand best Ghost in the Shell mm -hmm. now. Because I've been working with this over 10 years now. And um, yeah, I first I had the pleasure to work with Ogura Hiromasa, the art director of it. But then later on, like just three years ago, I started with Kusamori Shuichi, who drew the other important parts of Ghost in the Shell. And then finally, I could compare these two artists' work within one production. And that was a, that, you know, these are really two major figures in the industry. And to see their work next to each other within one scene sometimes, and to understand differences and this whole process that really opened totally new uh, horizon to me to understand how it's done. And yeah, I'm very happy that we could dive so deeply into this. And also we have the, you know, the location photographs and the concept designs. And so, so for this production, we really have almost everything from the production point of view. And it gives me the best understanding and for the whole process and also it's the the point where the industry went digital because mm -hmm. it was really the pinnacle of craftsmanship i think ghost in the shell and it was published the same year as evangelion and um the ghibli films around that time mononoke these are really the top that you can get on paper right. so yeah that was i think i just know 
the most about it. So that's why I'm most interested in it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So were there other people who were helping you document this as well? Because just like you were helping out your friend earlier on, did you eventually assemble a team of people around you? Because one person alone can't possibly do all that. Yeah, there is my colleague Hiroko Miyokam in, in Japan. And we did all the work. Mm -hmm. And then we had advisors for each chapter, basically. That a very important person is Hikawa Ryusuke. And the people of the Attack, it's the archive for Toksatsu and animation in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the people at the studios, like uh, the most important one is probably the archivist at Production IG. She helped us a lot with, you know, details and questions and, you know, things like in Pet Labor 2, there were, we have a whole array of top-notch artists who did the layouts. Mm -hmm. But then who did which layout? You know, you really want to know because there was Kon Satoshi in it and Ogura himself and many people were involved in the layout work for Pet Labor 2. But then uh, even looking at the original drawing, sometimes it's still hard to figure out who did it because, mm -hmm. yeah, you over time you can read the lines, but still, you know, you need to be sure. And she has a list, you know, she has the final list from the production who did which drawing wow. because there was a plan, but then the plan, of course, it changed over time. And so you need really the final sheet to understand, okay, yes, we can say a hundred percent. This was drawn by Ogura or Con or whoever. And like these things, no, you, you really need people from the studios. Otherwise you cannot know this. It's not published anywhere. That's true. You know? Did you get a chance to also talk to the actual artists themselves who drew a particular frame that ended up in the book and what their reaction perhaps was on this entire process of documentation? Uh, well, the artists in the book, I talked to all of them. Okay. Like uh, for four hours sometimes because we visited them in their studios and they they showed us in the first place, they showed us what they had mm -hmm. and then we selected from this so there there is more work there than we could publish and we decided with them sometimes in close collaboration what to show and how and so and then i like with kusamori for example there were so many differences in the way he works like in for the ghost in the shell that we took a long time to discuss the details you know like how do you get the layout drawing onto the paper that you want to use for the final production background? Because the paper is too thick to use a light box. So you need to transfer somehow the line drawing to the, to the, to the new paper. And there are different, different techniques to do this. Some use a charcoal paper and trace it. Some others use a very how uh, you say this uh, a very hard pen so it's it's just tracing you know it's embossing the 
embossing the paper. line the line drawing onto the transparent paper exactly yeah so you have a, like basically an embossed paper and then you they can start from there painting so there are many ways to to transfer the layout onto the final production backgrounds paper like this you can only understand and figure out if you talk to them directly because yeah there are books published by Yamamoto Niso and other art directors but they all have their own technique mm -hmm. and for me that's very interesting to to discuss this and then this is a level of detail that cannot really be reproduced in this book because it's just too too much no? <laughs> there is always a but as an author, it's always like a concept designer. No, you need much more information than you finally publish, mm -hmm. just to make it feel solid. You know, the world you'd always need to draw the world outside the frame well, for I people that's to a, feel it. No, that's a really quotable comment that you just said there. That's a very important aspect. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, we from the creative industry, we are obviously so heavily invested in understanding more about how exactly these intricate films were made. But within Japan, do people in general want to know more about these films or is it just part of their pop culture and just leave it at that kind of a situation? No, the, the, the publications in Japan about the process and the whole understanding there are numerous also in japan things or there are many many more publications on it obviously because of the of the language but also the um the publication industry works differently there is it's much more easy or quicker to publish books and texts and things in Japan and they read much more <laughs> I think <laughs> so the the density of information within Japan about all these background things that I'm also trying to figure out is much higher and it's probably all published there somehow mm -hmm. already somewhere but um, not in this thematic overview I see you know that the it's really interesting to see now the response to the Japanese edition of this book. The first thing is, why does a German guy with a British publisher produce this book? Why wasn't this done in Japan? That's really the first question. <laughs> because it obviously seems to be so natural, it's almost, you know, it's not really understandable why this has not been done already. Mm -hmm. So why do I need to come from Germany with a British publisher to produce such a book? And then I think the, the reason is first is rights questions. But the second reason is that the statement is a bit bold. Oh, I'm, um, are you still with me? Because the network is red here. No, I'm, I, can, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Um, yeah, the my approach to the whole thing, the thematic approach is, um, how you say, it's a statement also in a way. Mm -hmm. And 
it might be a bit even you know too bold for Japanese researchers to come up with such a strict focus and also it's the material is very close to them so they the you, I think my outsider perspective helps me to overview the field and also ignore things that a Japanese person would know because it's published so many times and I just cannot read it <laughs> so <laughs> my ignorance is bliss at that moment and uh, it helps me to omit a lot of obstacles that you might have if you knew more mm -hmm. and then I go in into detail again so that's a very different process from outside than within Japan I think yeah and uh, but now I'm very happy that this book is published in Japan and also that people can get something out of it because the text is one thing but really the images have not been published anywhere in this way, right. you know, not cropped the total view. And also, for example, the Akira chapter we have in the book, it's really the first publication of these images ever. Mm -hmm. So because they've been hiding hidden in the studios. So yeah, I'm actually very proud about this. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. it's a, I mean, understatement. This book is absolutely amazing. And even the print quality and just the weight of the book, it feels very, very premium. And it's something that you really, even people who may not be interested in anime or architecture, even for that matter, would really appreciate the quality of the book just for itself. Yeah, 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 I think so. The, it's really the publisher's um, effort who made it so beautiful. And I think it's, yeah, it's really good. I also like it. That's awesome. So, Stefan, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. I'm just curious, what's next? Like, what other potential projects are you looking at? Are there other things that you want to document beyond just anime and anime films? Just love to know your thoughts about that. Mm, well, at the moment, I'm not i'm i'm thinking about next steps but we still have things to do with this book like showing the original work in exhibitions that's really the next next step and it will keep me busy for the next two years i think mm -hmm. and then at the moment it's a bit difficult for me to figure out a new project because this one was so successful and uh, you know i don't wanna it would be best to do the same thing again <laughs> but then that's a bit boring and it doesn't work because there is no second akira that you can exploit mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah i'm thinking about different directions i'm i'm researching into the like interface aspects of anime like you know, how do the anime robots and machines see the world? These kind of images, not the architecture, but the machine vision, like cybernetics. Mm -hmm. And also robots is an interesting theme. So I'm considering several ways to go. And then there are these three artists that we didn't publish in this book, no? Yeah. Kon and Shinkai and Miyazaki. That's obviously something to do. So, yeah, 
I'm not sure yet, but over time we will see. That's amazing. Um, wow, I'm really looking forward to especially like the three directors and then the cybernetic aspect of it. For somebody who studied architecture earlier, this particular book really, really inspires me quite a bit because there's so much I can learn from it. So I really appreciate you putting it together, you and the entire team. And of course, the artists who made all the work. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for this great talk Absolutely. and the excellent questions, I have to say. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. You're Likewise. very well informed. Really, thank you. it was really fun talking to you and I hope to continue staying in touch with you. Hopefully, I get a chance to come to some discussion. Yeah, stay tuned. You will come. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Have a nice day. Great. Thank you very much. <laughs>